Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. It was the US Grand Prix this weekend, and spoiler alert, it was another Max Verstappen win. But the way in which he did it was a lot more exciting than the other 15 times he's won this season. So we're going to be talking about everything that happened over the weekend, the practice, quality, sprint, race, and of course, we're going to do a quiz and the National Anthem Review. To do this with me, it is your panel. Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Ollie. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Sam, how are you doing? I'm I'm okay. Um, I told my girlfriend earlier that I wanted a lava lamp, and she didn't respond too well. And I said, well, James has a lava lamp. And she goes, well, maybe you can go and see James's lava lamp. <laughs> and so I'm a little bit disappointed that I might not be able to have a lava lamp. But other than that, I'm fine. What the listeners won't know is that we've had lots of talk about James's laugh lamp over the, <laughs> over the last few years. We even got him to put it on and then he knocked it off the side, didn't you? Did I? I don't even remember that. <laughs> well, James, how are you? Uh, you're being a little bit quiet this evening, aren't you? I am. Uh, it's a mixture of a baby asleep next door and an illness, which, yeah, uh, going getting gradually worse as answering your question. Abby was good. Sam's okay because of reasons to do with lava lamps. I'm a bit <laughs> ill and, uh, and had to do lots of commentaries whilst ill. Uh, which was not fun. It sounds good, though, doesn't it? it is- I, I'll go ASMR, yeah, and a bit gravelly. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay, this is the second turn. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, James, do you want to share who you're doing commentary with? I do. So my my first proper co-commentator ever, which I had when I was ill, uh, yeah, it was Asamoa Jan, former Premier League footballer and played in the World Cup for Ghana. Yeah, he was my first proper co-commentator and I had to do it ill which is uh, a double-edged sword I'm glad you explained who he is because I had no clue when you first said his name 
Well, yeah, that was partially for your benefit. I'm hoping Ollie remembers the name at least. I know Ollie's a, a football fan. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> well, you claim to be a, a Man U supporter. So. Well, I live in Manchester. What can I say? All right. Anyway, right, let's, go, let's move on. So we are going to start the show, as we always do, with our weekend ratings. So, given everything that happened from Friday to, well, we're actually going to have to say Monday morning, um, how would you rate this race weekend out of 10? Abby, I'm going to start with you. Obviously, it wasn't just F1. There was F1 Academy as well, which was great to finally see on the screens and to see Marta crown champion was amazing. It was, I think for me, not including the fallout from the race the whole weekend it was a good weekend it was one of the best in my opinion that we've seen this season for me it was two and a half tenths better than Singapore so I'm giving it a 9.25 because it's not quite a 9.5 but it's not quite a nine so in the middle 9.25 wow I mean, I'm I'm astounded by how high that is, and also that there's a 0.25 on it. But yeah, also Abby, the, Abby there is a reason re- that I think you're rating this so high. What what were you doing on Saturday? Just just out of interest. <laughs> um, I was out with friends at Bingo Loco celebrating my birthday, which is coming up. But I still managed to watch F1 Academy. I did miss the sprint shootout, but I caught up. You know, okay. dedication and all that. Okay, so essentially you missed a Saturday. No, I'm only joking. Um, all right, but let's move on. Sam, uh, what would you give it? Well, very quickly, did anyone notice Abby go a little bit cockney, just randomly in the middle of her? <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it's quite good, you know, mate. <laughs> that's because she's out in Chelmsford, mate. But that's not cockney. Well, it's Essex, isn't it? <laughs> right. Anyway, anyway, back in Surrey, I am... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I thought, I don't know, I'm torn, to be honest with you. Um, and I probably should have thought about this before you asked me because you always ask this and, you know, it's part of the podcast. I actually thought the race was pretty good. I I, I often don't enjoy the race at Coaster as much as you kind of anticipate it to. Everyone's like, yeah, it's a great race. And then it's not always quite there. Um, I thought the sprint was a real waste of time. Um, so I I was thrilled that F1 Academy had broadcasting this weekend I thought it really added to it it's great and I think it's going to be a huge addition next season now having kind of what four single seater um, categories over an F1 weekend um, as and when they share um, share a weekend together um, I don't know like a six and a half out of ten, seven out, of, seven out of ten. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Um, it's not quite average. It's above average on the McKenzie scale, I think. But yeah, not okay. above, above I, I, for me. I was with you on that that thought process that you went along there. You sort of started on the Sunday, then remembered all the rest of it. But James, um, how, how would you rate it? Zero. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> From one Abbey extreme to another. Mate, as a Hamilton and Leclerc fan, I am so done. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the Tifosi Singapore 2017 approach to this and just say that it didn't exist. So I'm giving it a zero. That is... No need to speculate. That's your lowest rating this no. year. Well, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, you say... Oh no, that's national uh, anthems. Yeah, your lowest. 
Ollie's the next I mean, one. It's so. It's, have we it's, gone into minuses <laughs> uh, on I national anthems? Say. We have. But not on race weekend. I'll tell you what, uh, yeah, 0.25, just to, to follow Abby. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a 0.25. What, because it took place? <laughs> yeah. The Abby Bathurst decimal. Wow. Okay, well, I didn't see that one. Well, from, from a 9.25 to a 0.25, this is really um, spread. Uh, obviously, Sam right in the middle there, the impartial one of the group. Um, I'm... <sighs> I would have gone, if it was just on the race, I would have gone 10 out of 10, but it wasn't. Um, I'm going to go a six and a half out of 10, I think. I was so disappointed what I found out when I woke up this morning that, yeah, it really brought it down. And also the sprint wasn't particularly exciting. But let's move on to practice. So we're going to fly through this because there is so much to talk about this weekend. But Abby, was there any highlights in practice, the one and only practice session of the weekend? Stroll had issues with the brakes and he only did, I think, about five laps out of the whole session. Lots of teams had upgrades. Mercedes had a big upgrade brought this weekend and Hamilton looked more comfortable with the upgrades than Russell did. Piastri had a moment over the curbs at turn eight and nine. Haas also brought the upgrades and we're looking strong in practice, but it was Verstappen, Leclerc and Hamilton in the top three. Any other key call outs, guys? I mean, it was on Friday. I can barely remember what happened yesterday, let alone Friday. Um, Sam, you're pulling some strange faces. I'm wondering why. Yeah, I've just way too over ginned my gin and tonic. My man. So, uh, yeah, that, that's why. <laughs> okay. I bet you regret asking now. <laughs> slightly, slightly. Um, James, did you pick up anything in uh, free practice or should we keep going? No, it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and I think we've got more important things to, to discuss. Practice was, well, we'll get on to the fact that practice, it did have massive repercussions throughout the weekend, didn't it, really? That's, I think, why we've ended up with the, the Monday morning situation that you were talking yes. about. Mm, indeed. Yeah. Well, let's move on to qualifying. So I'm going to do this today in the order of which it happened. I'm, I'm going to, just going to try it because last time we last time we had the sprint, we started with the sprint, then went to quali and it was all a bit confusing. So I'm just going to do it in logical order. Um, I think it's logical order. Uh, so qualifying. Abby, would you like to give us a rundown of um, the highlights of quali on the Friday for the Sunday race? Yes. So in Q1, Stroll was still suffering from some issues at the beginning, but he did manage to come out on track. Sainz was at risk at one point, but he managed to get out of the bottom five. Both Williams were also at risk, but then they managed to get out of the bottom five. But due to others improving on their track times, they were then booted out. So it was Hulkenberg, Alonso, Albon, Stroll and Sargent out of Q1, which was Alonso's first Q1 elimination all season, which shocked a lot of people. Well, he'd never not made it out of Q2, right? He'd always made it to Q3. Yeah. And obviously, both Ast- it was both Aston Martins, both Williams and one Haas out. And then Q2, track limits were a little bit of an issue. Norris had a lap time deleted, but it didn't have too much of an impact as he did manage to set a time going for P5. Hamilton and Russell were at risk at one point. But they both managed to get through. Hamilton went P3, Russell went P9. So there was a bit of a difference between them. And Perez 
went P10 in that session. So he only just made it into Q3. So it was Sonoda, Joe, Bottas, Magnussen and Ricardo out of Q2. And moving on to Q3, it was five teams in the final session, both Ferraris, Red Bulls, Mercedes, McLarens and Alpine. Russell had a lap time deleted at one point. Leclerc was on provisional pole, but then Verstappen went P1. However, he locked up slightly and had a lap time deleted, which meant that he was bumped down the order. And so he qualified P6. So it was Leclerc and Norris on the front row. Then Hamilton, Sainz, Russell, Verstappen, Gasly, Ocon, Perez and Piastri. So I guess here we've got to talk about Max Verstappen, right? P6. What do we think was going on? Sam, you're shaking your head. So that means instantly I'm looking at you. Um, what's, your, what's your view on the Red Bulls in qualifying? Well, it's just mad to find out he's human. <laughs> I had exactly the same conversation with someone saying, oh my God, he's not mechanical after all. Yeah, honestly, like it's it's quite refreshing, isn't it? Um, that he makes mistakes, uh, admittedly makes mistakes that aren't detrimental to his, his weekend. Um, and yeah, much like Lando and Qatar is, you know, it's a mistake and it's not great. And obviously you'd rather you didn't make it, but it wasn't a huge, like this has ruined their, their entire race, their entire weekend. Uh, it's now right off. Um, so yeah, makes me feel hopeful that he might have some more mistakes in, in the locker uh, moving forward. But yeah, it's, these things happen, right. And it really actually added to the weekend nicely. Um, we almost certainly wouldn't have had the Grand Prix that we had had it not been for that mistake. So, yeah, kudos to Max Verstappen for doing the uh, utilitarian thing. <laughs> yeah, because we certainly found out on Sprint Saturday that uh, when he's on pole, it makes very boring racing, as we already know. Um, but it was Leclerc's, what, 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 was it his 10th pole without turning it into a win. Uh, James, I know you don't want to talk about it, so naturally, I'm going to put it to you. Um, what did you think of Leclerc's performance this weekend? And then secondly to that, um, we had Norris uh, in second, qualifying in second, and Piastri 10th. Very unusual for them to be so far apart. Yeah, so, well, uh, I'll answer your first question first. Uh, Leclerc, I mean, not to further pound on the guy, but I think it must be more than 10, right? He's got 21 poles, I, I want to say. I feel like I remember seeing that uh, as a stat, and he's won six races, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's not a good conversion rate, but it's the nature of the fact that Ferrari's just good and quality and awful in its tyres. I mean, that, that is what it is. I don't think it really takes away from him. Talk, talking of pounding, though, like, apparently he had a really bad, like... <laughs> Toothache, yeah, the, the tooth infection, which is a pounding really wondered pain. Where you were going? Yeah, yeah I mean, you're the one who mentioned it. Right. <laughs> ASMR earlier, so you know, <laughs> how many friendly podcasts? Um, so apparently, he has been on heavy painkillers all weekend. So no wonder, like a, a race situation, you know, he, he was going to struggle. Um, but yeah, it's just like the Haas, they're just so mis mismatched and unbalanced throughout the weekend. And uh, yeah, it's it just leads to this. Like, yeah, I don't know where else Leclerc could have taken that, really. I mean, the poor guy. Yeah, like you say, dealing with a pounding headache and then dealing with Ferrari strategy and then 
at the end of it all, after having to let your teammate through, getting disqualified. Like, that is that is a write-off of it a weekend. It was a pounding right weekend, really. <laughs> yeah, it really was, <laughs> from, from the gods. Um, but, yeah, uh, so your second question, Piastri. This is kind of my point, and we were we were discussing it a bit on our well, on our podcast, talking about the McLaren boys, where I kind of feel like people, I, I do feel like people are over-egging Oscar. I think he's done a very good job as a rookie, but then people have kind of glossed over the point where he has had, these weekends where he has been nowhere near Lando. He's got closer recently, obviously, and done. he did very well in Qatar, admittedly, with Lando making mistakes. And then, again, like catching up with him in the race. That that was a long way to be behind your teammate. And, I mean, then obviously he'd barely got a race. And his manager, Mark Webber, said over the weekend, yes, he is doing very well, but he still has a lot to learn he is only a rookie this is his first year in formula one this is his first time at cota he hasn't driven it before so we can't expect him to be up there getting podiums and being like a place behind lando all the time he will have weekends where he doesn't perform my my only counter to that would be look at Lewis Hamilton's first season in F1, right? Okay, he had the car. And okay, Piastri has started further back and the McLarens got better, right? So there are some some, some factors there. But look at Lewis Hamilton's first season. He nearly won it, right? If if you are that good, you should, should be consistent, I, I personally feel. You can see rookie mistakes in, in Lewis's uh, season, but the, the outright pace was always there. Yeah, the and and also especially in that run that started his career, you really got a sense that he was maximising every weekend, which is what we saw from Oscar last weekend. And uh, Ollie, I'm glad you mentioned consistency because I think that's the biggest issue for Oscar at the moment in terms of that perception, that teammate battle. Is Lando just doesn't have off weekends? He will make mistakes as we saw in Qatar, but he's still what double podium finish. Like, he still had a fantastic weekend, even though he'd made those two initial mistakes in you know in the qualifying sessions. So that's going to be his biggest adjustment, is he has to bring that ruthless level of consistency week in, week out. And that is where Lando has been for a considerable length of time by this point. Okay, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about them a little bit more. But before we do, we're going to take a very short pause and then we're going to do the Formula Nerds quiz. It is that time of the week where we do the Formula Nerds quiz. Now, I have a sneaky feeling it will be US Grand Prix based, but I will hand it over to our trusty quiz master, Abby Barthurst. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you. Um, it is US Grand Prix based. It's only five questions, so it's a bit of a sprint quiz for the sprint weekend. And nice. if you were listening to what the broadcast was saying over the weekend, then you should know the answers. So. Right. Well, we've had two head shakes so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> in fairness, James lives in a different country. <laughs> Question one. This weekend was Lando and George's 100th race in F1. Ahead of the weekend, how many times had each of them stood on the podium, including wins? 21. 
all together? Or do you mean individually? Individually. 10 and 11, right? Lando had 11, George had 10. Including wins. <laughs> you got Lando, right? He's been on the podium 11 times. George has two wins, though. George has one win. A sprint win. Oh. But this is why I don't like the sprints. <laughs> they have two wins or not? Oh, are we counting? Like, that's that's not even what a podium. They don't the... stand on a podium. Sky's broadcast. Oh, mate. It, so. Oh, that's right. a real I'm taking back, James. I'm taking back the, the 0.25. <laughs> it's, it's back to a zero. <laughs> what do you mean it's a technicality? It's literally the name of it. The podium. You get a podium when you go on the podium. <laughs> James, James might be feeling unwell so and a little bit crouchy today. <laughs> James is James may be sick, but he's also sick of this shit. Nice, I really am. Okay, so the answer was eleven for both of them. Eleven podiums for Lando, ten podiums for George, and one win. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm going to interrupt here and give James the point because otherwise you're Thanks, really mate. going to annoy him. Oh, I was walking out otherwise. <laughs> okay, question two. Who are the new stakeholders in Alpine's F1 team? My least favourite person, which is Anthony Joshua. Oh, least favourite, wow. Well, because well, uh, of the way he, he handles himself after getting defeated, uh, I just find it painful oh, yeah. to watch. There was a very cringy uh, radio message, I thought, from him to, to oh, Pierre God. as well. Yeah, and he also called it Alpine on the grid, which um, <laughs> troubled me slightly as well. Yes. Rory McIlroy, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm-hmm. So it's some real random... Uh, yeah. What, I mean, what's Trent Alexander-Arnold to do in a group with <coughs> Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey? Correct. Um, I feel like there's another footballer. There is. I don't know. I was going to say Reese James, but I don't think it is. I think I'm just thinking of England right backs at this point. Yeah. Um, Juan Mata. Yes, that was already. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Question three. How many steps are there in the Cota Tower to the platform at the top? Oh, God. I was literally talking about this when it came up on the screen. <laughs> It's more steps than I'd care to count. 800 and something. Or climb. 400. Okay, next one. Which NFL team's cheerleaders are always at Cota? My favourite Dallas Cowboys. Ones. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah my favourite team. Yeah. Um, final question. In all the years of there being a Grand Prix at Cota, bar this weekend, Hamilton has been on the podium all but one year. What year did he not finish on the podium? And where did he place in that race result? Is it 2013? Yes. Biden already finished. <laughs> wow. James How big is your brain? Yeah. <laughs> Take a guess. Uh, fourth. Yeah. There you go. Well done. <laughs> it doesn't even a guess. It was just in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, so you got four out of five. That's good. Well done. That's good. Yeah. The, the, the less questions we have, the better we do. So, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's good. Okay, thank you, Abby. That is the end of the Formula Nerds quiz. Okay, so it was another sprint weekend, two sprint weekends in a row. Um, before we start going into what happened and why, I feel it's a little bit tiring having two sprint weekends in a row, and I'm not even at the circuit. Um, what are your thoughts on two in a row? I feel like they need to be spaced out a bit more. James, I know you're very opinionated on sprint weekends. We'll get to that in a moment, but should there be two in a row? No. No, not not a chance. Uh, like, 
a double header is it used to be unheard of then it became a thing then triple headers became a thing and then they were like yeah let's make two of those triple headers sprints like are you kidding well exactly brazil which is we've got some respite with mexico this weekend brazil was also a sprint race so it's three and four yeah Sorry, I thought that's actually the, the yeah. Sorry, you were saying two in a row, but yeah, it's the, the point stands. It's yeah. yeah, three and four, and so many sprints. Oh god! So sp- I think sprints are good, but there's certain elements that make them good. Um, having them too close together, I think it, it's just too much. Now, as a fan. It's it might be okay saying to your husband or wife, right? I want to watch all the F1 this weekend. I don't want to miss any of it. But then if you say that again the following weekend, if you've got kids, if you've got other things in your life, it's just too much. You can't keep up with all of it. And we know this because Abby went and played bingo and Sam was also out. And It was my birthday weekend. It was your birthday. It was my pre-birthday weekend. <laughs> James, what are your thoughts on this sprint format? It, 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 the, the moment is yours. I mean, it was just another great example of why they shouldn't exist. I mean, if you if they're going to insist on having it, I think there are too many of them. Three, maybe. I don't know. But it still needs to be revitalised, doesn't it? Um, revitalised? It's not the word. Revised was the word you were Thank you. On. Revised. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and revitalised in the process. Yeah. Because it's not working. And the, the biggest issue I have with them is the fact that they ate act as a spoiler and that is again what we saw here think of the unknown like the again i I know i've said this before but the organic like natural build-up through the weekend and we've got that qualifying session okay obviously this is in the scenario where it happens the same on a saturday but let's just say it does and then we're going like oh is max going to be able to fight through like okay it wasn't a a walk in the park for max as as we will discuss but everyone watched the sprint and were like okay well max is going to win then and ferrari have no hope and then you know that ahead of the main race and it, it ruins it for what? There were like a couple of entertaining laps and then the sprint was crap. And there was nothing happening. It, James is absolutely right. It goes back to that. If you're going to do it, and which it feels like they're going to do it, unless there's enough dissenting voices amongst the media, amongst fans, amongst shareholders, it feels like this is here to stay. You have to make it sufficiently difficult, different. You have to. This is and this is where playing with the qualifying formats comes in, or bringing in reserve and and, and youth academy drivers, youth academy drivers, academy drivers. Um, so, you know, say you've got six sprints. Each car, three of those sprints has to have a reserve or a F two or F three driver in, or whatever it might be you're halving the number of sprints that the actual F1 guys are in. You're showcasing new talent. You're making it interesting. You're giving the fans and the spectators something different. It has to be sufficiently different. That's where they're getting it wrong. Because as as we saw this weekend, it is basically just a preview for what could happen in the race. And thankfully, Max Verstappen decided to flip the script slightly. So we had, you know, not, you know, rinse and repeat. You know, I mean... <laughs> It's it's pandering, isn't it? And that, that's the whole point of it. But if they're going to pander, then yeah, just like embrace it. And we saw Carlos Sainz saying, "Well, just make it a reverse grid." Like at this point, they may as well. Like it, it's already kind of pointless, and the the drivers don't seem to really care about it either. No one gets excited. Okay, Max wins them all anyway, but but you know, no one's excited to to be fighting over sixteenth and seventeenth. Like, oh. mm. what and, I will say though is we have had. 
a couple of good sprint races this year and some of them have been entertaining and we've sat there well certain people have sat there and gone well this is why we have sprints this weekend I feel like it just it didn't work but one thing that did work and I feel does work is dropping the practice sessions because it takes out all of the uh, all of the time that you know the top teams like Red Bull have to just get things absolutely perfect and then produce that result on a Sunday where if you haven't got all of that practice time it can shake things up a bit and especially when you've got such a dominant car I feel like less practice is the way that you get more interesting racing and people maybe not with the optimal setup or even as we saw this weekend disqualification so I don't know guys where you sit on this because let's face it Mercedes and Ferrari, I mean, Mercedes actually said we didn't do any full fuel load running with Lewis's car. It was a miscalculation. They got wrong. They had no opportunity or didn't have enough opportunity to get it right. And that led to him having a, a P2, which almost could have been. Imagine if it was his first win in, what, two years? Yeah, almost. I know. And it was taken away. So... Some people will be like, yeah, I love the drama. Give me the entertainment. Yes, that is, you know, I, I, I want that jeopardy. Some people are saying you're playing the results a bit too much. I think it's too extreme. Like, I agree in principle in, you know, mixing things up by not giving them quite as long as they used to have. But like they used to have two 90 minute sessions and then a 60 minute session. So we've gone from four hours down to three hours now with the way that they've cut it down and now one hour on a spring weekend. And it's just not enough. There, there isn't time to do a, a long run. There just isn't in an hour. It's not physically possible. So at that point, yeah, that's when you've gone too far and you're getting to a point where cars are going to be disqualified because they literally didn't know that they were breaking the rules. And that that, come, that could be safety as well, you could, you could argue. So we will get to the part about disqualification because there's a lot to talk about on that. But before we do, Abby, uh, us three, we're in our 30s. Sam is now as well. He's joined that club. Um, you are slightly younger. So I just wanted to get your view on what you think about uh, sprint weekends. And, and be honest, you know, there, there's there's no right or wrong answer here, but you're, you're a slightly different generation to the three of us boys. So um, do you think it's exciting? Do you think it's what the younger fans want? I think the prospect of it in the beginning was exciting because it was something new to what F1 had before. If you're a younger fan and you're just getting into it, then you kind of want to absorb as much of the sport as you can. And this gives you that. However, it's not perfect. And it does need looking at qualifying on a Friday is sometimes great, but then also it's not sprint Saturdays. Like you said, we've seen a couple of good sprints this year. Brazil 2021 will always stick in my mind as one of the, well, the best sprint race that we've seen so far. But it is like Max Verstappen said, and like you guys have said, it just shows you what is going to happen on Sunday. And it does lessen the excitement because there's nothing... If you know the, what the result will be already, then there's nothing to look forward to. And it kind of makes the weekend have a lull in it rather than have the tension ramping up. So you don't know who's going to do well, which cars are going to perform better and that. it. And I agree with it being too close together. Like the first two sprints, it was Baku and then Austria, six rounds there was a six round difference between that. And like you said, James, we've had Qatar, we have Kota, and then we have Brazil in a couple of weeks time. It does need looking at principles. All right. But 
it's there's so many issues with it i think that need fixing sam spoke about getting enough dissent online and every, every social media post i see that mentions sprints every comment is slagging them off so i think the public has spoken on it and yet they still persist uh it it's going to remain i think that's that's clear i still think the solution is is the one i put forward in an article i wrote earlier in the year which is doing it on tracks with alternate layouts because then you you solve the problem of the spoiler and there are certainly tracks where it's possible and you are doing it the way they do it on the saturday separately now overnight you could make the changes you needed to to the track say but uh qatar uh, sorry no bahrain and you go onto the outer loop or silverstone you do the you know the the inner track i can't remember what it's called and then you kind of solve all your problems and the drivers have like, I don't know, maybe half an hour to adjust or something in a, a morning session. Uh, I don't know. That's the only way I can see. Yeah, a bit like that 10-minute session they had last weekend, right, where they just familiarise yeah. familiarize themselves with the track changes. You know what the counter-argument is going to be to that, though? It's going to be, yeah, but we need to then make setup changes and that's, you know, reopening Park Ferme and that's more work for the mechanics and the teams. That's what their counter-argument will be. So they need to find a way to make that sustainable as well. Okay, I think we need to do a midweek show, How to Fix Sprint Weekends. That, that That's going to be coming up soon. Um, I'm writing it down in a minute. Um, but in terms of Sprint Saturday, I don't think there is much to talk about. Um, in terms of the Sprint Shootout, it's Max Verstappen who took Sprint Pole. Is it is it called Sprint Pole? Are we allowed to say that? I'm just confused with this. I think so. Yeah, well, let's crack on and do it. Um, Charles Leclerc in second, Lewis Hamilton third, Lando Norris fourth, followed by Oscar Piastri in fifth, Sainz sixth, Perez seventh, Russell eighth, Alexander Albon ninth, and Pierre Gasly in tenth. Um, let's move on to the race. Is there any... Sorry, the sprint. Is there anything you guys want to call out from the sprint? Because... I don't really think it delivered. There was not much in terms of entertainment at all. Abby, I'm going to hand it over to you. What are the key highlights from the the sprint that you think we should talk about this weekend? It was unfortunate for Russell because he ended up starting 11th after getting a three-place grid penalty for impeding Leclerc in the shootout. And then he also received a penalty during the race for overtaking Piastri off track. Actually, that is a good point. Um, The penalty he got, I don't think anyone can argue with it. He was right in the way of Charles Leclerc. James, you're you're shaking your head. You agree with that, surely. It was slam dunk. Yeah, it was. It was a very, like, George giving ammunition to his haters online of him always saying, like, oh, he drove into me. Like, he said that Oscar ran him off the road. He was nowhere near alongside him. And then he overtook him outside the white line. So, yeah, slam dunk. And then at the beginning, Verstappen and Leclerc had... A small battle, I'd say. Verstappen covered off Leclerc on the inside and kept the lead. Hamilton managed to get into P2. Um, Yeah, there's no major key takeaways. I think Science was the only one on the softs and his tyres started to fall off towards the end. There you go. We can't even find stuff to talk about. And Stroll retired. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Shall I mic drop again? Like, (laughs) sprints. Ah. Yeah, it, it was it was so uneventful that I think we're just going to move on. Um, in terms of the results of the sprint, the sprint, I want to say race, but it is not a race, even though it is a race. Um, Max Verstappen won it. Lewis Hamilton finished in second. 
Charles Leclerc third, Landon Norris fourth, Perez in fifth, Carlos Sainz sixth, Gasly seventh, George Russell eighth, Alex Albon ninth, and Oscar Piastri rounding up the top ten in tenth. So, at this point, we are going to do the world-famous National Anthem Review. Is that time of the week where we do the world famous national anthem review? So, Abby is yawning, therefore, I'm going to put it straight to Abby. It has been a long day, we are recording at nearly nine o'clock. Um, but how did you feel? And I'm very interested to hear this because when I was watching it, I, I thought of Abby and I thought this could go completely either way for Abby. She's either going to love this or she's going to hate it. So uh, I will start with you, Abby. I, I'm 50-50 as to which way you're going to go, but I know you're going to go heavily in one direction. So um, what would you rate it? Well, part of it was out of sync. Yes. And Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I thought it was just me. No, I was like, no it was oh, yeah, out what? of sync. This, and this is what I get for having an LTV, but yeah. Good to no, know. and the people playing the piano down on the track beforehand they were also out of sync um yeah so it was out of sync they were in the Kota Tower so if you were along the main straight expecting to see the national anthem you wouldn't because they were 400 steps oh, in the heart it's the going sky. down the negative route <laughs> <laughs> but oh. there's a positive he was wearing lovely jeans <laughs> I really want Abby to be like, you know what, five out of ten. No. <laughs> yeah. No. It was... It, I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was great singing. They were all very respectful. Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were their favourite NFL team. Um, because before... In America, before any game or race or that, they are quite a respectful country with the national anthem, having a big shove of it and that. And I, I actually quite enjoyed it. So I've given it an eight out of ten. Yes, Abby. Um, okay, uh, now I just want to say, it, uh, my wife actually said to me at the time, she said, he's miming this. It's out of sync, but he's miming it. I was thinking that. But I watched it back. It was just the audio delay. Uh, they got it wrong again, as they always do. Um, but Sam, how would you rate it? Um, it was fine. It, it felt a little bit like they were trying too hard to be folksy, you know, down in Texas. Um I thought being in the tower was, uh, you know, an interesting and novel decision. Abby obviously was thinking of the uh, all the poor people who bought their grandstand seats on the main street. Yeah, who are only there for the anthem, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of out of things to say about it. I just thought it was fine. I... I kind of really, with the American National Anthem, look for something that's really huge, like over the top. Like, I, like, I feel like I probably mentioned this last year or earlier in the year because we have a few of them because it's three races. But there was like an NBA game where there was like proper, like, is it staccato where the voice is going like up and down? Like proper, like wavy. Oh, vibrato. You mean like the, the vibrato. opera, like 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when it's like kind of, you know, and all these NBA players are stand, standing there trying not to laugh because it's just so ridiculous. It's like properly over the top. So I'm always hoping that it's just going to be massive and just absolutely like ludicrous. And it wasn't. It was very understated. So I'm a little bit underwhelmed by it, if I'm being honest. So I don't think I can quite give it a five on the McKenzie scale. It's going to have to be a four for me. I'm amazed by that. And by the way, it was over the top. It was very literally over the top. Um, Sam is clearly holding out for a Whitney Houston Super Bowl performance for a. Not sure we're going to get that, mate. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? I'm sorry. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) I'm not sure we're going to get that. She's because dead, we, isn't she? <laughs> wow, that was... That, sorry, that was I, just, I just spell it out. <laughs> I didn't was, hear you the first time. <laughs> that was why. And sorry, James, uh, what would you make of the... Uh, there's probably an edit somewhere before this, and for a good reason, but James, what would you uh, rate the uh, National Anthem Review? Yeah, the National Anthem that. Review? What would you rate our review? What would you rate the National Anthem performance? Yeah, iffy. Iffy so far. Um... Yeah, I'm a bit with Sam, a bit torn. Like, I guess they felt like they needed to differentiate themselves from the other American national anthems now, now that there are three races, as Sam said. So that's why they've they've gone for the the Southern, the the country and Western kind of vibe. And I I respect that. I think that's that's quite a cool twist on it. I found the fireworks kind of weird in conjunction with the acoustic singer-songwriter that, that was a bit weird especially in the middle of the day that that is the kind of like over the top american like well there's got to be fireworks weird yeah. we can't see them it would have looked a lot better anyway night, wouldn't it <laughs> yeah i don't know come on tom no it's for, for when you're finished okay sam okay. is desperately trying to uh, get so poor james was like okay sam go on then <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah yeah i i don't know i think overall yeah, uh, it was. It still had that that American kind of you know rock flag and eagle to to quote always sunny, like that kind of over over patriotism. But uh, I think yeah, I'm going to end up pretty much bang down the middle. I think it was a five. It was fine. It was kind of good and kind of bad and kind of badly good, and it worked out all right. Well, if we remember the US uh, Grand Prix national anthem last year, do, do, do you guys remember? Just, just yeah, we will remember that, which was horrific. Um, I am, I, I loved this. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I loved the vibe. I loved the fact he was up at the top of the Cota Tower. Um, I'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they had taken our feedback aboard and really done something different, not just played a, a CD. Sam, it's your time. I'm really excited because a new mini segment, guys. Can we please do a Vegas anthem prediction? Right. Because <laughs> okay. I, I think it's going to be so, so cliche, like so exactly what you'd expect. Like I'm talking like, Elvis Presley impersonator. Level. Yeah, I was going to say, are we going like, to go that and like uh, go-go dancers or like... Yeah, the, the, like the, the, the Bellagio fountains and, yeah. and the Mirage volcano and the big, um, what's the sphere thing, the big dome thing that's new. The sphere, yeah. The sphere, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's just going to be, I think I can't, I'm, I'm more excited about the anthem than I am the uh, the race <laughs> for Vegas, to be fair. 
Well, there, there are a few things rumoured online about this. Um, I'm not going to give too much away, but do we remember, I can't remember if it was this year or last year where we had LL Cool J bringing out the drivers in Miami. Was that yeah, this year? Yeah, this year. It was. This year. Well, there is talk of him coming back in Vegas, which oh, wow. <laughs> really and, uh, worries me. If that's setting the scene for the national anthem, what are we going to get? And a, a Whitney Houston hologram, yeah, Sam? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, apparently the ABBA show in London is really good, the, the hologram one. Um, but, I mean, as long as no one is kind of going full Mike Tyson in Vegas and buying an idea off, I think we should be okay. <laughs> so uh, that is the end of the National Anthem review. Roll on Vegas, that's all I'm going to say. Okay, so let's talk about the race. We had four drivers starting from the pit lane. It was two Hasses, two Aston Martins. Turn one, quite interesting. Abby, why? Because <laughs> both McLarens had a great start. Lando took the lead from Leclerc into turn one. Verstappen made up some places ahead of Piastri and Russell, who actually ended up going backwards quite a few places. Sainz and Hamilton were then battling a bit. Sainz got ahead of Hamilton, but then closer Sainz had a squabble with Leclerc. I, I thought they touched at one point, but I don't think they actually made any contact. But Piastri and Ocon did make contact, and Ocon then had side damage, side port damage after it, and both were eventually forced to retire within the first 10, 15 opening laps. Okay, so who done it? James? Well, I have a, a different question for the group that I was just about to put out oh, there. Sorry. Do we think that Paul is on the right side in Cota? No. But clearly not. That's on the left side, isn't it? <laughs> Way. <laughs> Um, uh, it depends which way you're facing for a start. <laughs> Stage left, or yeah. um, it's. Uh, I think pole should always be the advantage, and that's it. they, it's the racing line, isn't it? And that's why it's there. But it's weird. It, it doesn't seem like the racing line actually helps in Kota ever. And then the the with that effect negated, like it's just inside line, which is very important at that corner. Yeah, it's a very unique scenario. It's a very unique corner. So I think you ultimately have to adapt the starting places for what is beneficial at each various track. So I don't think it should necessarily always be on the racing line if that isn't the advantage. And we we knew that going in. We were expecting Lando to actually take the lead. So, yeah, quelled surprise. Quell surprise was that. <laughs> I was just taking an inhale to uh, start the next question. Well, go back to my previous question. Um, Sorry, yeah. Whose fault was it? Ocon and um, uh, Piastri. I think, yeah, it's it's on Ocon, but I wouldn't say it was like, it wasn't an egregious error or anything. He just understood and Oscar took a risk going around the outside and then, yeah. Esteban slid into him and it's unfortunate and it's again like how many times Esteban has retired seven times I think now this season uh yeah it's it's really not been going his way the 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 track characteristics also played into this because it's so bumpy this year around the tracks and I I heard um uh, one of Sky Sports segments talking about how they were having monster trucks bouncing along the ramps and bouncing across all the place 
all the place around the circuit. And um, actually, if you look at Ocon's onboard, he hits a bump and he almost slips out. It, it unsettles the car and he goes into Piastri. I, I'm not sure there is anyone at fault. I was like, slips out of the car. It's not really dangerous. <laughs> but guys, can can we please have monster trucks as a sport race? Well, it was. Well, can we? There's our sprint idea. Guys? I was yeah. going to say, make the sprint in monster, monster, yeah. monster trucks. Yeah, um, yeah it's a, it's a first lap. It's a, a tricky segment of corners. It's a racing incident. These things happen. Like if you start policing that, you stop the drivers from racing. And I don't mm-hmm. think you want to do that. So. Okay. Okay. So let, let let's break this down. Let's talk about the Mercedes pace this weekend. So it looked like that Mercedes was back. They had the the upgrades to the car, and Lewis Hamilton was keeping Max behind. I mean, Max didn't seem to have the pace all the way through this. Do you guys think uh, in the early stages of this race he was just managing it, or do you think um, these issues he was having played into it? What, what do we think of Max's pace? Let's ask that. I think the issues he had factored in definitely. You could you could tell he was panicked, he was frazzled. But that was much later in the race. I felt that he always had pace in hand. He was just, you know, like it's almost like you know, kind of like like, you know, I'm like a butterfly sting like a bee. Like it's he was just waiting to pounce. He was waiting for that opportunity. He's matured, he's managing the races. Doesn't mean the pace wasn't there for the Red Bull for me. Um, so yeah, I think it was always in hand. I think it was always within his within his gift. But yeah, and also the other side of it. Yes, the Mercedes have taken a relative step forward in pace, or so it seems. But the disqualification costs doubt on that, particularly when you factor in that there was a huge delta for a lot. Not a huge delta, but there was a delta between Lewis and George all weekend. And yes, George isn't in the finest form of his career, but clearly it doesn't feel like that maybe was representative pace from Mercedes. We don't know that George didn't have an illegal car as well, would be my... Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a whole that. other kettle of fish. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that. <laughs> I agree with Sam. I think with Verstappen, towards the end, I feel like... He felt a bit more under pressure in terms of Lewis catching him. But throughout the race, yes, he started P6, but he made up places pretty quickly. It was it was good seeing him have to fight and overtake other cars. None of it was incredibly challenging for him. He did have some issues, but I do think the pace was there for the Mercedes. Uh, not the Mercedes, for the Red Bull. Um, with Lewis, it was great seeing him race like that and be back on form and actually like bringing the fight to max and trying to get that win but like you say we have they didn't investigate russell's car so we don't know whether he had the same as lewis at the end it it's interesting because there was a big difference between both the mercedes drivers this weekend i think russell finished in fifth which when you look at the performance over the weekend he clearly was not on pace or on performance. Okay, so one big part of this race was strategy. Now, it was Max who boxed first, and they left Lewis out, trying to see if they could do a one-stop. I I assume this is what they were trying to do, when really they should have brought him straight in. Um, What's your guys' thought on on the strategy? Um, 
obviously Max came in first, which seemed strange. It seemed very strange to leave Lewis out that long. And a lot of time was lost um, for, for, for Lewis there. Do you think he could have won the race if he had boxed earlier and followed that Max strategy? I think so. I think even Toto said that, um, or certainly someone in the Mercedes uh, garage has said it after the race. That you can see it's, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to say like, oh, why did they do that? But if they had had better tyre deck, then obviously they could have looked like geniuses. Right? It's it's worked so often for them. It's worked so often for them in the past with Lewis, you know, tire whispering and and then making uh, a, a one stop work or a two stop and a three stop race at times in the past. And yeah, it just became very quickly apparent that it wasn't going to work. I think the thing that you would say is that the sprint showed that the the Merck tire egg wasn't good. So I'm surprised that they thought they could do it. Yeah, for sure. And one of the criticisms that I'd seen levied online against Mercedes is that when you're in, you know, when you're in that situation, you've committed and you need to see that through. Because what they did is they pivoted between strategies and there was indecision, there was confusion between the strategies in that four lap window between a two stop and a one stop. I actually disagree with that because they, within two laps, go, oh, these tires have fallen away. This isn't going to work. And they pivoted from it, and I think they actually salvaged the result, albeit you know with a huge asterisk. But you saw what happened to Leclerc. Yeah, it clearly wasn't the right strategy. So I think they actually did quite well to adapt there. But yeah, they they got it badly wrong. Um, but in fact, Total Wolf was saying like, look, we we didn't know we had it wrong. All our forecasts looked good to us. It was only then that the tires fell away. And Lewis, in fact, had said, like, I don't think so. I don't think this is good. You know, this is a good idea. Whereas George was like, yeah, I can do five more laps. And that was a mistake. He got that wrong and it cost him. So, yeah, I think realistically, Lewis is a shrewd operator. He knows what's going on. He was right. And I think the team did the right thing to pivot when they did, given the initial mistake. Yeah, it was it was cut your losses at that moment. Let's see what what ground we can make up. And to be fair to Lewis, the amount of ground that he did make up was incredible. It was you know the first time he pitted, it was seven seconds. Then I think it was another seven seconds when he sec- when he pitted the second time. Um, Abby, what do you make on McLaren's sort of uh, tire strategy? Because they they should have had in again hindsight's a beautiful thing, but another set of mediums for for Lando, and th- this really caused him problems throughout the race. It did because I think obviously. Piastri retired on lap 10, so it was down to Lando to get those points. And he had a great start, and it was looking so good. And I did think that we might see a British driver on the top step of the podium this weekend. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but it it was odd, I think, because it had so much promise, but he did then just, just end up falling back, and he couldn't fight... Hamilton and he couldn't fight Verstappen and it was a shame but like you say only hindsight is a wonderful thing in Formula One when you can figure out what's actually going to happen but I think it was all kind of a guessing game because none of them had done long long enough runs in practice because of the shortened time so they didn't know how long those tyres would last more than the length of the sprint race. Mm. Uh, and James, being our, our resident Leclerc fan, we're not talking about any disqualifications yet. But what do you think went wrong? Wrong? 
what do you think went wrong for uh, Ferrari throughout this race? And again, swapping the drivers, there's there was discontent there. I mean, what went right, to be honest, but it was... I mean, there wasn't much discontent. I think Charles said after the race, like he initially was like, oh, why? Why am I letting him through? But he said as soon as he got the explanation that Checo was right behind Carlos, then it was it was obvious. And yeah, it was obvious. In terms of what went wrong, yeah, it's just strategy again, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> just a bad idea and then sticking to it and then that. The Ferrari cliche of are we going to go with plan K or plan L like 50 laps into the race and Charles being like, well, we've committed. What? <laughs> it's too late. So, yeah, I mean, that's what went wrong. Another disaster class. So talk of the town, we should cover it. Sergio Perez, should he keep his seat? Is he going to keep his seat? Should he, should he, should he not? Um, I, I thought he did. He obviously gains positions, but do we think his performance this weekend was good enough to keep his race seat? I'm glad you mentioned that, Ollie, because people were oh, yeah, Sergio Perez, he's, you know, he's moved through, yeah, he started P9, he's bowed P7. P- and at this point, he was P7. They're like, yes, P7, he's worked through. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> Esteban Ocon and Oscar Piastri retired. <laughs> like, it, you know, it, I, I don't think he had, a, I think he had a very mare. He had a very five on the McKenzie scale race. And at this stage, I don't think five on the McKenzie scale is enough for him to keep his seat. Or it shouldn't warrant him giving a seat. You expect more from a Red Bull driver in, in the in the main team. So, he was yeah. a little bit closer to Max in the various qualifying sessions, I thought. But he a still bit. wasn't but, where he needed to yeah. be. Scraping into set, in, in, through in, in sessions isn't good enough. He should be in the top three, four cars on pace. Mm. I feel like his racecraft as well, it's lacking. He struggles to overtake. He struggles to put those moves on. It takes him... It's confidence. Yeah, so much longer than it should do. And maybe that's because he's scared of crashing out. Abby? Dare, dare I say that people having these conversations up and down motorsport media is probably not helping either. But yeah, yeah. here we are. <laughs> well, during the race, on the Sky Sports broadcast, they showed how many driver of the days Perez and Verstappen had won. And next to Perez... Well, when he came up on the screen, I misread it as he's been voted as one of the top three drivers for driver of the day today. And my response was, why? Because I was like, he's not doing anything. Not really. And like you say, Sam, he moved up, but two cars who were ahead of him crashed out. And I I do like Perez as a driver. And it is a shame to see him struggling so much compared to Max. But he is just not performing and if they're in the same car that is one the best car on the grid and it has that pace why does he struggle so much he's he's not max verstappen he's not that same level of talent but he is a very talented driver so why is he struggling so much i think it's it's a few things it's the confidence factor it's that the car has been developed away from his driving style and he's actually he asked for the for to be given the original spec i think it was the um, what was the race? Was it Azerbaijan or the before Miami, where where he was really in control of of things? He asked for that spec car. He's basically asking to eradicate six months of development. Team said no because there'd be two different cars, and you know you can't do that to that degree. I don't think. Um, but also, I think he's over the hill in terms of racing ability. I think he's past his best. He's he's peaked, and 
the problem for him is you've got drivers increasingly driving into their late 30s and early 40s in, you know, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, that Perez having a perfectly normal career trajectory looks like he's just phoned it in early. And I don't think he has. He's been in the sport for over a decade. He's had a solid, solid career. You can't take that away from him. He's a multiple race winner. He's, you know, at times taking it to Max Verstappen, which is no mean feat. I just think he's past his best. I think it's now that they're looking at the next thing, and I think it's the right time to do so. He's not actually that old, though, is he? He's he's 33, I think. I remember Jackie Stewart saying that's when you're at your peak as an F1 driver because you've got the perfect mix of experience and your early 30s was supposed to be the peak. Okay, is that a normal trajectory? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe age. I shouldn't have used age, but I think more a decade in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a, a fair career length. I think is maybe a more fair way of looking at it. But I take your point. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That yeah. So maybe it's more about the career length. Um, so Max Max Verstappen could have won the world championship on his own as of this weekend. Is it, do you think that's a metric that we can use to say he needs a new teammate, potentially? Or is that because Max is just so good that they could do it with one car? I mean, it's an incredible stat, really, isn't it? Well, some people would argue, you know, it's actually evidence that he doesn't need a new teammate because <laughs> he doesn't need one. Um, it's a fascinating stat. It's an almost unbelievable stat. But I do think it says more about Max Verstappen than it does about Sergio Perez in this instance. Okay, so moving swiftly on for the purposes of time. um, It was, surprise, surprise, Max Verstappen who finished the race in first. Now, I'm going to say this very carefully. It was Lewis Hamilton who finished the race in second. Lando Norris who finished the race in third. uh, Followed by Sainz, Perez, Leclerc, Russell, Gasly, Stroll and Sonoda rounding out the top ten. However... Sam, I'm actually going to throw this to you because you were the one in the middle of the night covering this. I I went to bed after Ted's notebook, right? And I woke up to something I wasn't very happy with. So would you like to explain what happened? Yes. Well, first of all, uh, a sob story for me. I'd spent loads, or not loads of time, I'd put together a piece on... um, comments from... post-race comments from Toto Wolf on the Mercedes, you know, pit stop strategy, so on and so forth. As I was, you know, putting the final touches in to then publish it, I see that Hamilton and Leclerc had failed their post-race scrutineering. I was like, oh, and uh, I was covering breaking news. So I was like, I'm going to have to get this out quick. And then because it's going to be old news already and stay up and wait. So this was what, what, one o'clock, one thirty in the morning? So it was midnight that yeah. they went to the stewards or Hamilton did the Kirk 15 minutes after. So he knew that, that from like about 20 minutes before they were going. It was in over an hour before any official word. And to be fair, it's a slam dunk penalty. We know that this is the cost of that particular infraction. So it kind of, you know, well, I'd, you know it was pre-planned, it was pre-written, it was all like, yeah, just published. But I had to wait until like half one to then actually... Yeah, published a piece. Uh, so yeah, I've I've felt less tired in my life. 
<laughs> but Sam, can you explain why they were disqualified from the race? Oh, sorry, was that the <laughs> so, not to be self-involved? <laughs> um, so, so I'm just getting over the fact that I said uh, humming like a butterfly instead of floating like floating. a butterfly earlier on. I'm, yeah, <laughs> Muhammad um, would uh, yeah, he'd be unhappy with that. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to <laughs> upset Muhammad Ali um, or Mike Tyson. Um, anyway. Underneath F1 cars, there is a wooden plank. It sounds really like kind of rudimental and kind of archaic, given the complexity and advancement of these cars. But there's a plank, and that has to have a minimum kind of depth to it. And if that plank, which gets kind of worn away throughout the race, falls below, I think it's nine millimeters in depth, that is seen as illegal. That is too thin, um, you're basically running your car too close to the ground. And it is a disqualification. Only some cars are scrutinized after a race. It's usually, I think, the top three, uh, more often than not, and then maybe a, a few more. Doing it for every car would just take too long because they never do it. It's totally normal practice, just only, just only do a few. But the fact that for the four cars, Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton, and Clerk, two of them failed. That is a 50% failure rate. So that is what ultimately led to Hamilton and Leclerc being thrown out of the classified results. So I think uh, experienced F1 fans, no problem with this, right? They 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 were found to breach the regulations. Uh, you're disqualified. But I think the issue here lies with the fact that in Qatar, this wasn't even checked. They didn't check any of the cars for this particular uh, breach of the regulations. They've only checked a couple this time. Yes, they can't check them all because it would take too long. But is this fair that only some are being checked, some are being disqualified? And is it, I go back to something that really annoys me every time, that you've watched the race, you've turned your TV off, you wake up the next day and the results changed. Uh, James, what are your thoughts on on those? Well, yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? It's the question, and as Sam pointed out, a 50% sample rate is considerable and makes you go, hmm, is it only those two? That seems unlikely. And I've seen someone, I can't say I did this analysis myself, but I saw someone online who said they'd been watching through the S's and that only the two Red Bulls, Lando and Pierre Gasly, were not noticeably producing sparks and clearly, you know, hitting the ground as hard as Lewis and Charles were. So at that point you think, well, it's it, it seems almost inevitable that it's there will be more illegal cars out there. And that just feels so wrong. And you say about it being impossible to to do every car. This is a billion, multi-billion dollar sport. Are you telling me that they can't hire a few more people and say, do the, the random checks, because obviously most of the time it's fine. Uh, but then if we get a result like this, keep every car in Park Fermi for an hour. And if you get, <clears throat> sorry, and if you get at least, well, be 50% or even just one failure, check them all. And then you know that across the board, it's been a fair level playing field, because this just feels so wrong. And that's what's caused all the fraud online and yeah you say experienced f1 fans we've seen this before but it's never felt good i remember i think a lot of people were unhappy with Seb Vettel losing his podium in hungary for the fuel 
issue and it, it kind of ties into that it, and like you say just that kind of oh cool so the result we saw and the race we watched was basically for nothing well i, I think that's that's actually where i was going to take it as well james was that surely you have a threshold in place and i was going to think of maybe 25 percent of the cars tested so if you know yeah say you're testing four or eight it's two or it's one or two of the cars yeah if they have the same issue okay we're gonna to have to test more and I think I think I think that's fair, um, and yeah, it's because yeah, it calls into you know kind of really is is this is that actually the result? Because you're absolutely right. Surely there's more failures there. Yeah, it just isn't plausible that there isn't. I, I guess the risk is you know if you check them all, and by the way, I think you either check none of them or you check them all. There, there there's no in between. It just doesn't seem oh, right see, because see, I, I, you know I, Perez could have yeah. breached it, and it it changes the championship, right? And it changes it based on who you're checking. Um, but imagine they check the cars after the race and. Let, hypothetically, all of them failed. What are they going to do? Disqualify the entire race? Cancel the whole race? That's the risk that they're running, right? And that's the the conspiracy theories that you've seen a bit online. Kind of, oh, they won't check them because they don't want to look ridiculous when they disqualify 14 cars. But that's just it. If that's how, if that's what happens, that's what happens. That's sport. That's, again, a level playing field. And if you end up with only six cars scoring points, then so be it. And and it did ruin a really good race weekend because the story of the weekend was, you know, it was Hamilton, it was uh, Norris, it was Verstappen, right, in that battle. And to just, it met with Lewis might as well have crashed on the first lap now. None of it, to, to what James said, nothing matters. Abby, you've been quiet. How do you feel about it? Well, so this is why I rated the weekend a 9.25 because for me, it starts from the green light of free practice one and it ends with the checkered flag of the Grand Prix and with that there were no disqualifications um but no it's I don't like it obviously because I, I love Hamilton and Lando not Lando he didn't get disqualified did he he got you fucked off the <laughs> and Leclerc I like them as drivers but the rules are the rules however it is unfair because like you say it's 50% of the sample size that they scrutineered the cars two out of four which it like james said it does raise the question of what if other cars are also illegal and it is unfair because it has changed the championship it means that the results are decided after the race which isn't fun for anybody because like logan Sargent, he got his first points in his home race but it was so underwhelming because he hadn't but then he had by this morning. And then Lando. And Carlos with another, like, podium that he didn't stand on. That's exactly three, I think, now, right? Yeah. And if, if you're going to get a podium, you deserve to actually stand up on the podium and get the trophy and spray the champagne and celebrate rather than just be told after and go, oh, yeah, you're now P3. Here's the trophy. You deserve to be just mid-interview and then told that actually <laughs> you're yes. not on it. Also, exactly. is is is, Lan, is um is Carlos's um trophy now? If he kisses it, will it come up with the Union Jack? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, this is because this they is only scan thing. Maxes. Do they? Well, it's a whole different story. I mean, yeah. I think we should at some point talk about the trophy thing and the yeah. previewing trophies. Like, Ooh. anyway, but yeah. Um, I just think sometimes you foul someone in the box in football and the ref misses it. 
and it isn't given as a penalty and you get lucky. I think sometimes it's fine. It's within the reasonable limits that occasionally someone, their car isn't up to spec and they don't get randomly checked. That happens. I think if you're checking every single one of them, you're kind of getting in the VAR direction with football and you have to be bulletproof. It has to be absolute 100% of the time. And it, it would take a while. James, you're absolutely right. They could employ more people. Fair point. But that would further delay things. But also, I completely take your point. No one wants to find out the results the following morning. They need to find a quick way of doing it. I mean, and I think I, that's why the threshold is a nice quasi-approach. Yeah, I, I mean, I found out when I got home from a horrible shift, uh, sounding like this, uh, which finished at 3am, <laughs> commentating on French football, checked my phone. And like, I think just to see like, you know, what people have said as the headlines and it was like, Stappen wins as Hamilton disqualified. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to sleep, going to sleep. But I wonder about my mum, you know, someone who doesn't have a smartphone that she checks constantly and lives on social media. She probably won't know. She'll probably find out in a week. <laughs> like, and that's kind of worse in a way. Like, Mm. And, and, and it's so disappointing for, for fans of, you know, Hamilton and Leclerc to, to wake up the next day. It, I've always said a lot of people, they'll turn it off even before the podium, right? F1 is a, it's a lot of time to invest. And when you switch it off, you should know the result. It's, for me, it's as simple as that. Yes, it's an extremely complex sport. And they've just got to define those boundaries. You know, are we going to check them all? Are we going to put a tolerance in? How how do they need to solve that? I don't know. But it's up to them to sort it because we can't be waking up on Monday mornings finding out the actual order. It just, it, it's no other sport that would happen. So, um, moving on to our drivers of the weekend, the final segment of the show. Um, Abby's going to give it to George Russell. Uh, James is going to no, give it to not. Charles Leclerc and Sam. It's I never know with Sam. I'm, I'm only joking, guys. Um, James, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, I feel like I should abstain uh, to, to live up to my zero. Uh, I'm going to put an X through the ballot. That's not very French of you. <laughs> I'll go out and protest. That'd be that'd be more French. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> no, I think. I think Lando took the the driver of the day vote from the public. Uh, I would say he was pretty deserving. Uh, I felt like it was surprisingly, yeah. I think Martin said that in commentary as well. So it was surprisingly, you know, weighted in his direction. The vote. Um, uh, so the thing is, I would have I would have given it to Lewis. Now it's like, well, how how illegal was the car? But then how illegal was everyone's car? No, I'm not. I'm not giving one out. I'm, I'm abstaining. Move. <laughs> This is going to ruin Abby's spreadsheet and <laughs> our Formula Nerds Awards at the end of the year. Um, but if you abstain, I can't force you. Um, there were a few names you, you rattled around, though, so maybe we'll come back. Uh, Abby, what would uh, who would you give it to? I am going to give it to Lewis because, yes, well, he's not very happy with that. Was he yours? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't sorry. care he got disqualified. I fell asleep on Sunday. He was my driver of the day. He he drove amazingly well. <laughs> Not Monday. (laughs) No, he did really well. I think after the race, it kind of looked like he he was struggling a bit and that it was a very difficult race for him. Um, But yeah, despite the disqualification and the illegal car, I think he had a great weekend race. Yeah. Interestingly, that shows me Abby doesn't care about the disqualification. It doesn't matter to her, which 
sort of goes to my point. But anyway, Sam, uh, who who would your driver of the weekend be? See, I do care about the disqualification. Mm. For me, it's everything. Because my driver of the weekend was Logan Sargent. I knew it. Yes. <laughs> Finally. I knew it. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm so made up for him. I think he just needed to get that. He just needed to get one on the board. And yeah, it took, the, the moment wasn't quite how he would have wanted it, but I don't think that really will take it away from him. I think hopefully it brings him a lot of confidence and it brings him that kind of a renewed, like, you know what, you can, you can compete at this level. You know, he was just behind, you know, Alex on the road who finished the P9. So yeah, Logan Sargent, well in, keep the momentum up. Yeah. And to be fair, I thought he drove well and he, 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 there were lots of overtakes from Logan. It was, it was good to watch. And he is now, there are no pointless drivers, and I mean pointless in terms of not scoring points, not in terms of their value. Um, so, well done, Logan. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice one. And I I know that you're a fan, so it's always nice for you to get your moment. Um, I will... Well, you might not see this coming. I'm going to give it to Max Verstappen. Um, he came back from sixth. Yes, he's done it from further back, but he... It wasn't an easy drive for him. And uh, I said at the end of the race, I don't mind Max winning when he has to fight for it and and prove his talent. And I think he did yesterday. I mean, there's some... Now I'm thinking about the things and his attitude over radio. I might might pivot on that now I'm thinking about it. But actually, in terms of his performance over the weekend, yeah, he was good. He struggled, but he still came out on top. So I think we should uh, recognise that. So that is the end of the show. Thank you for listening. So next weekend is the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, We will talk about a bit about what we're expecting uh, in the midweek show. But until then, uh, happy birthday, Sam. It was your birthday a few days ago. And a pre-happy birthday to Abby as well, who uh, 22. Yes, and a pre-happy birthday to you, Ollie, as well, because yours is this week too. Yes, 10 years older than you. Thank you, Abby. (laughs) (laughs) James, you should rearrange your birthday. I'm only a month (laughs) behind. I'm I'm just just a little bit too late. (laughs) Well, we... Thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back uh, midweek and also to review the Mexican Grand Prix, where most of us will be a year older. So uh, we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Abby, Sam, and James, and we will see you then. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.